Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. In the full-time ministry, 45 August, I'm starting my 46th year, so I'm not a newcomer to it anything. But I've been in a lot of meetings, a lot of preachers, heard a lot of teaching, a lot of... But I praise God for this camp because every speaker I heard was just tremendous. I mean, I'd put you up with, you know, I'm not going to start naming people. But listen, you know, you have a calling, you have an anointing. I don't care what you do. If you mow the grass at church, do it under the anointing. You clean the toilets, sweep the floor, whatever you do, watch the kids. But I'm telling you, I've been around, I've heard a lot of preaching, but this, and I tell you what I really like about this group. I think it was Pastor Tiffany Parnell that said to me, you ever think about all the people you brought forward? I said, normally not. I just think about the people I'm trying to minister and mentor the rest of my life. But you guys were all in a flow. You know, I I mean, I don't mean to sound critical, but sometimes I'm just so tired of preachers that all they do is teach. Kind of like, where's the goods? And now if you're not anointed to do other things like I am sometimes, you know what I mean? I'm a prophet, so I'm not bragging about it. Just who I am. And I didn't ask for this job. I was just a burnout drug addict and needed to get saved because I was dying from drugs. And Jesus took me like I was. He didn't say, if you'll clean up a little and get your thing. No, I just bowed my head in a youth meeting at East Dayton Baptist Church. I'll never forget it. The preacher, I don't remember what he preached. He probably did a good job. But I mean, I wasn't acclimated to that, being a drug addict for three years. And I really didn't care to hear preachers, period. But... I went to that meeting with this girl I kind of liked at that moment. And he said, I want everybody to bow your head and ask if you know Jesus. So I did, because I went to church, you know, as a little kid. I was a little uh, Forrest Gump with braces, a crippled boy. And God healed me when I was five years old, an angel appealed to me. I may talk about that later, but, you know, I bowed my head. I said, Lord, do I know you or not? And he said, no, you don't know me. You just know about me because your mother made sure you went to church every Sunday. I used to jokingly say I had all the pins, you know, they were metal pins and they could line up, you know, faithfulness and I'd walk like this in church practically, (laughs) but I wasn't real faithful. And the church was just, you know, I'm I'm just saying this to all of you, listen, if you don't like it, that's fine, but make your church exciting, not hype it. You don't have to swing off the chandeliers every time you come. You need to learn something. And the practicality of God is so essential to everybody's making it. You know, I don't got no stars in my eyes. I just got Jesus in my heart trying to fulfill what he asked me to do. That's all. That's that's the long and short of it. And I've had people come. I've had people go. I just keep driving the bus like somebody said. Some get on, some get off. So we just, I'm just thankful to be with a group. And this is another thing I, I observed about all, I think just about every speaker, maybe not every single one of them. But, uh, and I hate to say the main speakers, but just about everybody had a prayer line for something. Man, you know, I mean, if I went to a church and they never had a prayer line for anything, I'd get out of there as quick as I could. Yeah, I had a really close friend. He, he was a good preacher. He was a great singer. But he kept getting offended where he was at as pastor. You probably know him, Philip. We won't mention his name from Trinity way back. And he got cancer and I called him. He said, I said, where are you going to church now? I'm going to a Methodist church. You're going to a Methodist church. Do they teach anything John Wesley taught? 
I doubt it. I said, well, you need to get out of there, Doug. They're going to kill you. There's no help there in the Methodist church, typical Methodist church. I'm not down on denominations. All denominations had a move of God. That's why they began. But you can begin in a flash and be a flash in the pan. And five years later, you're just back doing nothing. So it's our endurance and our moving with God. You know, I've been say 52 years. There's a lot of times I wanted to quit. I just didn't. I wanted to, but I just didn't quit. Somebody said, I don't like you, but I like the fact you never quit. I said, thank you. I'll take it. Because I know quitters come easy. They just, you know, come and go and all that. Let's see here what I got. I think this is something I want to do maybe. And uh, Father, we're just so thankful. We're so thankful that you have visited us and came and abide with us here in this camp meeting. We're so thankful. We're just so thankful. We're not being critical of anybody else their churches. We just know that we're doing what you want us to do. There's no such thing in the New Testament as a non-spirit-filled believer. That's what every person that wrote the Bible taught us in the New Covenant. It's the first thing, one of the first things Paul even mentions that he taught. And we're just thankful, Father, that we get to know you on an intimate level and we're getting to know you even more as we move on with you. I thank you for this group of young people that gave themselves to come to camp, raise money or maybe borrowed some money or whatever. And I know that we've invested money in this camp to make it what it is. And we're so grateful to do it because this next generation is the church. You're not going to be, you are the church right now, you know. And Father, we we pray that we'll raise up uh, strong believers in word and spirit and that everybody will learn to move in the spirit with the Holy Ghost. Not just public like a behind a pulpit or have a mic, but they just walk in that day by day. And that's the way you teach us just day by day. So we thank you for that. We thank you for what you're going to say and do tonight in this service. We give you praise for it and glory for it. Thank you for your tender mercies towards us today. Your loving kindness. You've been so merciful. And I thank you for it. And I thank all of you that spoke so far in the singing. I just feel like I've been revived. So thank you. (laughs) You can be seated. Praise God. I thought maybe I might say something, not a lot about this because, you know, I've been in the ministry a long time. And uh, I know Amsie, uh, Amsie did a superb job uh, teaching us about pornography and different things like that. And it was just excellent. I'm looking for something here while I'm talking. Uh, but it was just outstanding. How many know what I mean? It was just outstanding. And so, man, I just praise God. And then I don't remember who said something. I think, well, uh, Miss Pastor Morgan preached today about holiness. You know. Yeah, it was so good. You know, we just got to learn to be holy towards the Lord. And you got to learn to walk in it. It's, it's, you know, it's a big commitment. Anybody can get up and come to church. Not very many people want to grow up. Like I wrote my book on angels. Everybody wanted a copy of it. Then I wrote on demons and a few, a few brave souls wanted to read that. Then I wrote on spiritual fathers and spiritual failure. And you thought I had done the, ter- the worst thing anybody had ever done on this planet. Nobody wanted to read it. And people left me left and right. Didn't understand what I was saying. 
Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, God told me to write it. And he said, you're going to get a lot of flack over, but go ahead and write it. I said, well, thanks. Okay. And sure enough, I did get a lot of flack. The Latin people, the Hispanic people bought two to one, three to one of all the Americans that's ever bought that book. And that includes all the Germans and all the Russians and, you know, wherever I've been around the world. But I, I think we had some good teaching and all these things, but I wanted to mention something to you because of just my background and because I minister to a lot of people and most of the people that come to me, uh, some get offended, maybe most get offended, but no, I'm not a pastor anymore, so I'm really not trying to be, walk around on eggshells. I wasn't even that way when I was a pastor, if you were with me back then. Not trying to insult people, but just right straight to the point. What's the purpose if you can't be honest in your church? I'd go do something else with my life. But thinking about the sexual part of that, and I don't remember, I think Shelby Lynn, where's she at? Back here. You, you did great this morning. And where is Megan Cook at? You did great yesterday. I wasn't able to get to you two to tell you how wonderful it was. I just want to mention something just briefly, and then I'm going to get into my... Can you give me an extra five minutes to mention this? This is some of my deliverance notes here, but we're just going to talk about it in a second. First of all, soul ties. Now, soul ties are what you get into with somebody you're not married to, or like you're, you commit adultery, or you go out with somebody and do things you shouldn't do, or you just invite somebody into your life as an early age, and you begin to have physical sex. And then eventually, you know, that peters out, not that, but the fact that the, you two broke up, that you weren't married to begin with, had no real covenant. But then later in life, this is an amazing thing, the last 15 years, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, Pastor, can I, or Doctor, can I meet with you about something that's pretty serious? I said, sure. So we come and talk together and they said, you know, I used to date this girl and now I'm married and I got children, but I keep thinking back about that other girl. I said, what your problem is, you got a soul tie to her. Right. If you don't get rid of her, you know, you're going to get rid of your wife eventually because that will drive you to that. Right. Yeah. Even if you don't find that girl. And same for the boys. Yeah. Yes, so you got to be careful with stuff like that. It gets you connected to the people you don't want to be connected to. It, it, it engages you. and That's how powerful sex is. Right. Yeah. You know, if it's done right, there's bloodshed from the woman when you have sex for the first time. And uh, secondly, you know, it's, uh, it's a covenant relationship. Right. So be careful because sometimes you get older and then, and I can't believe how ignorant some people are, but I've heard them say, you know, I want my wife and I want this woman too. Right. I said, well, you can't have them both. Right. I jumped on his head, jumped on him in my office with some other people witnessing it. I said, you got full of the devil. He said, I don't want to be delivered. So I turned to the woman that he slept with. His wife was there too and her husband. I said, do you want to go to hell over this? Or do you want me to get you delivered? Speak up. Yeah. And she started bawling. I don't want to go to hell. I said, well, you're going to if you don't straighten this out right now in this room, right now. You want to be delivered, I can get you delivered. Amen. Mm -hmm. And besides all of that, God told me to tell him, this other man that called me, I'm going to minister deliverance. And when he said that to me over the phone, I said, it's that neighbor girl, the blonde headed lady you brought to my church to hear that singer. Am I right? Well, my God, how would you know that? And I said, God just told me that to warn you, you're going to end up in trouble. He showed me the whole thing just in a moment of time. Probably because I'm a prophet, but I said, listen, don't fool with her. 
if you, she really wants to get delivered, bring her to my church. I got a couple of ladies and another man or two that could work with me. We can get her delivered. But if you go, you're going to end up in the wrong way with her. He didn't listen. Got divorced, had three little girls. Just talking. I'm not trying to bring anybody down. This is, the, the camp is a good thing, but I think you need to hear somebody like me say some of this, unless you think it's all fun and games. Number two, abortion. That's common anymore in our country and all kinds of things come out of that. And I've never met a lady yet that didn't, if she knew how to apply the blood and she knew how to repent over it, they've been able to go on with their life. But most of them, it sidewinds them, you know, because they kill their own children. So you need to listen to what I'm saying. These are serious things. When you murder a child, it's yours especially. It wouldn't matter whose it was. It's murder. <laughs> I had a lady one time. I may have told you this before, but if you didn't hear me, you could go, wow, that's pretty good. I'd like to have a little excitement. I know I'm not talking about something fun right now, but it's reality. I was having a men's prayer meeting at my church in Otisco. Came in the back door and said, Pastor, I, I need to talk to you right now. I said, I'm in the middle of a men's prayer meeting. You see, these men are all in here praying with me. Well, Sunday morning, when you stood up to preach, I wanted to stand up and cuss you out. I said, come on, you need some help. And she got in there and I prayed for her. And she got up and acted like she was delivered. You know, thank God, thank God. I said, she hadn't delivered, did she, Father? He said, no. And he said, I said, what am I going to do now? He said, well, you watch her when she starts to leave, start praying in tongues. She started down that aisle, and she came in. She started running for the door. I had two men back with the door. I said, "Grab her under her armpit and bring her back up here. Yeah. Sit down." Now I said, "If you don't want me to fool with you, then leave the leave the church. But if you do that to me on a Sunday morning, I'm going to really rebuke you, and everybody's going to see what a fool you are." Right. Why don't you got something to tell me? No. See, when you don't have somebody you can be honest with, you're in trouble from the get go. And I said, well, do you want me to help you or not? Either get up and leave and you can come to my church, but you're not going to get up and cuss me out and act crazy here because that would disturb the rest of my church. Yeah. And I always throw people out that act like that. Yes, sir. Thank you. Not very many have. You're welcome, Philip. Yes. But when I know they're not right or they're predators, I just say, you just need to leave now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, just talking. This, what does this have to do with everything as a leader? So I said, okay, I'm gonna figure this out. And I sat down, we had one step here, a little two by 12, and I sat down facing her. She's in the front row. I'm closer than I am to you guys now. I prayed about three minutes. I saw the whole operation. I said, you had an abortion 25 years ago. Your husband doesn't know about it. Your other three kids don't know about it. And that's what's wrong with you. You murdered your own child. And the devil's got a hold of you through that act. And now you're mad at me because I'm preaching the truth. And she started bawling like a baby. I mean, really crying hard. She said, how could you have known that? I said, I just told you I'm going to figure this out. Now, do you want to repent and get free? Or you just want to keep your devil and go home? I want to be free. So I prayed for her and she got free. It's not about me, but it's about people getting, getting free from stuff. And I got one more thing here. Just talking to you. Just, how about diseases? You know, diseases you get from doing things you shouldn't do with people you shouldn't be with. You know, I remember I was in seminary going to Bible school and my best friend back home, I went home to have pizza with him one time. Well, my wife and I went up there for a few days and I was in a pizza hut with him. And he said to me, I like Karen, just me and him at the lunch thing. I said, you like Karen? That's not your wife's name. Who's Karen? She's in the choir. We're, they're here in a different church now. 
I said, you're full of the devil. And that's before I got all this figured out of how to deal with him. I said, come out to my car with me. I'll get you free. I don't want to be free. I'm not going to mention his name. Let's just call him Tim. I said, Tim, you're in big trouble. And you're going to tear up your family like you can't believe if you do this. Well, he did that. And then he got a disease and gave it to his wife. Then they got divorced. I think both their kids are dead now. Young age too. Was God doing that? God didn't have anything to do with it at all. He's trying to get him delivered. Because <laughs> I was strong enough to minister to him if he'd let me, but he didn't want to do that. So I'm just talking here. I'm not mad at people that get in trouble. I'm just trying to save you the heartache of all that. Because I know how things like that go. Now, I wanted to mention something real quick to you before we get started. I'm going to teach on healing in a minute and miracles, but primarily healing and how you get your healing. And it's important that you get your healing and you know how to maintain your healing. I mean, it's all in the book. But you won't get it just reading a little promise at the breakfast table that you bought at the bookstore. You're going to have to get in it and begin to think about it. But here's something else about the angels. Um, Pastor Nancy was talking to me and she brought this, gave this to me. Actually, Pastor Everly did. She says that the people, and of course, I've said this all along, people can do, the angels can do more for you if I tell you they're working with me, which they are. And so we're going to have a lot of activity tonight. You may feel it, you may not feel it. That's not the point. But they do work with me in my healing ministry. So I wanted you to know that. So they may, you know, grab your spine, straighten it out, or give you a new part if you need a new part. Okay, I'm just talking here. And I wanted to read some of these testimonies. You know, I was thinking about Jesus today. That's a good thing to think about every day, Jesus. But I was thinking about it, did I have any, I was thinking about about testimonies. These are just a little inkling of what I have at home. I'm going to put, do a new book on healing and get, put a lot of testimonies, about 300, I think, in there so far that I'm thinking of doing. And I remember that Jesus, and you guys have been here how now? Is this the fourth day? Fourth day. Jesus in Matthew 15, he got people healed. He got people to see that were blind, hear that were deaf. People that didn't have a hand, they were maimed. They grew a new hand or whatever. And it says, we've been together now for three days. So you've been accomplishing things all the time. All the other speakers have added to what I'm going to teach you to some level because they preach by faith too. You listening? Think about that. But anyway, the woman with the issue of blood was in Mark 5. Uh, You know, he said, who's touched me? And he's in a big throng of people and his disciples are thinking, what is wrong with you, Jesus? There's people touching you from every direction. He said, no, somebody's really touched me. I'm paraphrasing. Somebody really touched me by faith because power left me. (laughs) Power left me. And the lady fearing and trembling because she had a, you know, situation bleeding bleeding out, I think, for many, many years spent all that she had. She could have been a very wealthy lady in the beginning. Just give all she could to the doctors to get. And I'm not bad-mouthing doctors. If you need a doctor, get one, find a good one and go. If you can't get it supernaturally, you could add some things, supernatural and natural. All right. Real smart doctors will tell you, we can't heal you. We can just treat your symptoms. <laughs> Jesus is not trying to heal us. He's already healed us. He took it away back then, 2000 years ago. He gave us a new plan of health. He gave us a new plan of financial. He gave us a new mind. He helps us have a good sound mind. Yeah. But that lady came and fell down and told him the whole truth in front of the whole crowd. 
And I, I, I think anymore, I only get about one out of every 10 people that get healed in my ministry. I'm not bragging. I mean, I w Jesus told me I had a healing ministry, so I'm trying to fulfill that. And one reason is if I don't tell you what I'm anointed to do, you don't know that. How would you know that? Jesus talked about his anointing in Luke 4. Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to minister to the sick, to heal the blind, bring people out, of, out through deliverance, let the captive go free and so forth. That was his job description. And Brother Hagin said when he appeared to him in 1949 in Rockwall, Texas, I think it was, I teach that message of Luke 4 everywhere I went. Somebody says, well, are you sure he did? Well, you know he didn't? I'm asking you, do you know he didn't? Were you there with him? With Jesus when he preached? No. But Brother Hagin said that's what he told him. So I started asking people to give me a testimony if they got healed. So I think it's interesting. Not, it's not about me. Listen, I'm just a carrier guy. I'm a FedEx guy or UPS, whatever you like. Don't get hung up on that. Some people are so something sensitive. Now, these are two lab reports from a hospital because these people, this man here, the first one, he had, he had HIV. He came to see me and he went to the hospital and got a lab report on his checkup and it says, Everything is normal. Got all the lab work on it and everything that they found. You're totally normal. You know, there's a verse in Joel uh, 3.21 that says, I will cleanse their blood that was not cleansed. So if you know of anybody that's suffering from a blood disorder, then you could give them that verse and maybe pray with them. And even maybe use your faith with them. Two are always better than one if you know what you're doing. And if you don't know, just let it go because that would be helpful. This is a lady here that went, she also went, got a viral load from her blood. And it says on the front here, the virus is not detectable now. Yeah. Hallelujah. I get excited about that. Yeah. We haven't even read a verse. Let's, let's read a verse here. I want you to know I'm really a preacher. <laughs> Matthew, go to Matthew 14 with me. <laughs> I heard a guy teach one time on a CD recently. He was hilarious. He didn't read scripture till the end of his teaching. He said, I guess I'll read scripture so you know I'm, real, I'm really a pastor. <laughs> he was funny. He's a And I heard him preach personally just not too long ago in a meeting that I was in. Matthew 14, let's begin in verse 34. Now, I want to talk to you about healing. You know, you could be healed and stay healed if you desire to, but you'll have to put some time in maybe on the healing scriptures. You know, and there's good, I have a good book that, you know, it's got healing scriptures in it, a whole book on healing. God's Healing Supply, I think's the name of it. And uh, it's a good book and you, you, you can't overdose on those things either. You could read the whole book and if you're a quick reader, probably an hour and 15 minutes. But let's look at Jesus and see what he did. And when they were gone over, verse 34, Matthew 14, 34, and when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him. Now, I like to say this, they didn't just know about him, they had knowledge of him. So that's more intimate. He, they knew he was a healer and he was doing healing things. They sent out into all that country roundabout and brought unto him, now look at this, all that were diseased. Some people act like God won't heal everybody. Well, he will heal everybody that'll let him. You know, it's two sides to this. God's got a place to play and you have to let him heal you if, you, if that's what you need, but you've got to receive it. 
And you got to believe it's God's will to heal you. No exceptions. No exceptions. If you got an exception, you need to get in the Bible. And I'm going to show you that in just a minute. You get in the Bible to clarify all the questions you've had. I had every question every other human's had, I think, in my life when I was young about healing. I just studied the word and it began to erase all those questions and put substance in there for me. I mean, even Jesus couldn't get it done in his own hometown. Wasn't that he didn't want to. He said he could not. He didn't, he didn't want to. He just couldn't get it done because they wouldn't receive him as a prophet. They said, we wanted you to do what you did over at that other place over there that they named the city. Well, he wasn't able to do it because it had no honor towards the, really what Pastor Morgan was teaching, towards the ministry gift. Now, I'm not talking about hero worship. Maybe I ought to say something to you about that. You know, the more you respect me, the more you can get out of me, right. spiritually. Right. If you just think I'm Mike and that's all I got, then all you get is Mike. Yeah. I can tell you now, Mike can't help you much. Right. Yeah. But, you know, just talking to us. Because when they respected Jesus, he got all kinds of stuff going. All right, and do I have chapter and verse for that? How about this one in Romans? Hold your finger there in Matthew. Let's go over to Romans. I think it's 13. It could be 11. Let me check it. No, it's chapter 11 of Romans. I'm going to wait for you. I want to show you something. It's not about you needing to make me feel important. That is not what I'm saying. Right. You know, this is the way I tell people. I'm important because Jesus Christ died for me. He died for me personally. That's the way I take everything personal. <laughs> he died for me. All right. But here in uh, Romans eleven thirteen, 13, we're not talking about hero worship, but I've noticed even in churches that don't have respect for their pastor, he can't get it done there very good. They have a low degree of uh, respect for him and what he is and what he can do. And so, you know, even Jesus said that, you know, if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. If you honor a righteous man, you get a righteous man's reward. If you honor a disciple, you get a disciple. And, I, and one day God said to me, do you ever think that was the same person just reviewed by three different humans? I said, I, I didn't, but I do now. I see what you mean. So when you take your pastor and you don't call him Jim or Bob or whatever his name is, or Rita or Glenn, you say, Pastor Glenn or Pastor Rita, uh, I'd like to ask you a question. You know, it's showing some kind of reverence towards that. Now, let me show you where I'm getting that. Some of it from right here in Romans 11, verse 13. Paul says, I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify my office. See, there's a thing in Paul. He's starting to magnify his office. In other words, he has respect for his office and talks about it and learns what's in that office so that he can more help human beings receive what's in it. And it's your decision to receive whatever level you want. I mean, I'm the same person. But I know some people, they're just getting healing easy from me because of their attitude. Right. Now, you know, if they've been with me 20 years, I might be able to do a lot for them the first eight or 10. But if they don't get in their own Bible after eight or 10 years and they get something serious, yeah. probably, normally, they're not going to get it. Yes, sir. Unless they make a big change or the Lord shows me what's really going on and how to help them change to get in faith to do this. So I'm just talking to you. I love you. There's nothing that Jesus is afraid of and there's nothing that I'm afraid of. 
Disease and sickness is under our feet. Demons are under our feet. We're raised to sit with him. Of course, you got to think about that a little bit to get the context. And spiritually, we've been raised up to sit with him. Think about that. You're not a sub heir to Jesus. You're a joint heir with Jesus. When my wife was alive, we had a joint banking account. That meant I could go down there and deposit or take out whatever was there, and she could do the same. She's a better bookkeeper than I was, so I asked her to handle all that for me. <laughs> you know? Be smart man. If your wife's smarter in that air, let her handle it. All right. There wasn't no thing of tit for tat. We weren't trying to outdo one another. We were trying to function as a team. But I had the same rights at the banks as she has or had and vice versa. But here Paul says, I magnify my office. He's not magnifying his shortcomings. Are you a real person? Of course I am. I'm a real person. Sometimes I make mistakes and sometimes I need to repent. I'm going to give you a key to life, living life for a long time. Two things that I've done that's helped me more than anything else. Number one, I'm quick to ask for forgiveness from God when I miss it. I don't, I don't waste any time moping. I used to. I used to mope around. And God told me one time, I thought you told me you prayed about that two weeks ago, Michael. Well, I did. You're not acting like it. You're acting like you're still beat up. Stand up and act like a man. Did you believe that I told you if you said it that I would receive it and forgive you? Yeah. Then act like it. <laughs> I'm not yelling at you. He was yelling at me then. He said, well, you drug around for two weeks. Your chin's on the ground. You know, you're. I said, you're right. I didn't receive what I was praying. I receive it now and I'm getting up. I'm not going to bring that up again. Good, he said, because I already forgave you two weeks ago. <laughs> you have to apply the blood to things like this. You with me? Yeah. Okay, now I want you to go, go this with me one more time here. Verse 35 and we'll read verse 36 too. They went into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. It wasn't one of these things. Okay, you can come, you can come, you, not you, not you, yes, no, yes, no, no, no. Just anybody that had anything wrong with them, if they were listening, the, the disciples, because they knew about Jesus, about what he does, how he does it, brought, said, come and we're going to go see Jesus, he's going to heal you. There was no exception to that unless you just didn't want to do it. Hallelujah. So I want, I want you to know when Jesus, if you'll let him, he'll heal all of us. Wouldn't be a problem for him. Okay. And of all sickness and all disease and all torment and all mental stuff and emotional stuff that you have to deal with. I'm going to deal a little bit with that tonight later. But I want you to see this, that Jesus is the healer. And then verse 36, and they besought him, that is, they besought Jesus that, that they could touch the hem of his garment as many as touched were made perfectly whole. I think the Amphite says completely restored. So as many as touched, whether it was 200, 2,000 or whatever, as many as touched because that was a sign of their faith reaching out to receive from him. And that anointing flowed out of that robe because he got saturated while he wore it. Yes. Talking about Jesus. Yes. Perfectly whole. God wants to make us perfectly whole. Yes. You know, we're a spirit. We have a soul. That's our mind, our will, and our emotions. And you really need to renew your mind. That's the big thing, to renew your mind. And start getting scriptures that encourage you that you have a sound mind. 
How about 2 Timothy? God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. The Amplified says, which is real close to the Greek, a calm and well-balanced mind. I don't know about you. I talk to myself and I'm not mental. I say, I'm telling you, body, you be healed, you be whole. The life of God comes on me right now, Father. I receive it in every cell of my body, every bone in my body, every organ in my body. Your life is oozing out of my cells and finishing, uh, completing, healing me and strengthening me. I command balance to come to me by the Holy Ghost and the hormones and stuff that my brain needs to regulate. That's my mind, my will, my emotions. Because I used to live by my emotions and I was really a mess. When I was a teenager, if I had one part of my life, I'd never want to live over, it'd be that. Because I was too emotional and too girl crazy back then. I still like girls, but you know what I mean. That's (laughs) not saying something I'm not supposed to know. As many as touched him were made whole. Listen to that. They weren't just healed, they were made whole. Like when the 10 lepers were healed, they said, as they, he said, go show yourself to the priest because that's what Leviticus said. Jesus walking as an Old Testament prophet. He said, go, because that's what the law said in Leviticus, you have to show yourself to the police. He's gonna inspect, uh, priest, he's gonna inspect you to make sure you don't have any leprosy on you so he can come back into the temple and worship with the rest of the congregation. Yes, sir. He had to be checked out first, so to speak. And it says, as they went, they were healed. So as they went, it was a moment by moment. As they went, they were healed. If you just lock in on what we do with these tonight in a moment, or your pastor prays for you or somebody else in some other meeting, you believe you receive when you pray or really when you're ministered to. Let's say it that way. You believe you receive that when I minister to you and lay my hands on the anointing in my life will go into your body and it'll start unraveling things that need unraveled and moving to fix you on the inside. Hallelujah. (laughs) I appreciate that. So as many as such were made perfectly whole. I want you to think about that. And the Amphite did say perfectly restored. I have it written in here. So now let's, let's go back to Psalms 107 a minute in the book of Psalms. 107. I'm talking to you tonight about healing. And of course, we could include miracles. The only thing about a miracle is a miracle is more of a creative thing that happens where God gets involved and creates something that you have to have that creation to do that if you're missing something. I don't have her testimony in my hand right now, but there was a lady in my church named Joyce and uh, she came to church with us for about a year. I didn't know much about her or her husband. They had a couple children, got in the prayer line and we were ministering about angels. And I said, Joyce, what do you need? And she said, I need a new heart. And I just touched her in the forehead and said, receive it. And I just went on. And her story to me later was, well, I, she fell on the carpet, said, energy invaded my chest. And you didn't know nothing about me, Dr. Jacobs. I said, no, I don't even know you. I didn't even, I, would, I just called you Joyce because I'd heard that was your name. And she said, I was so messed up. My heart was so messed up. She's only 33 years old. She tried to get up off the couch and go out to the mailbox the length of a driveway and get the mail and coming back in, she couldn't hardly make it to the door. She'd just pass out in the grass. I said, well, who would get you? Well, my husband, when he got home from work or my kids from school, or if my neighbor saw me out, I might try to wave, but that's about it. Sometimes I laid there most of the day because I was so weak. The doctor said, your heart is just messed up so bad, <laughs> Joyce. I didn't know that about her. 
Well, this energy invaded her when I touched her and she laid on the floor for a while, got back, went back to her husband and he said, what's that power on you? I feel it coming out of you. She said, well, it must be the anointing. Dr. Jacobs laid hands on me. That's all I can feel. It's the Holy Ghost. That stayed on her for three weeks. So she went back to her regular doctor and he said, Joyce, I think something's happened to you for the better. Why don't you go back to the cardiology people? You know, she had a cardiologist, heart expert, and he took her in a room and he said, he took uh, MRI or whatever he did. And he had, you know, those that got those boards that got lights behind him. He put up a thing there and he put up a thing here. He said, Joyce, this is your heart. The last time I saw you about a month ago, and this is your new heart. You can look at him and tell this one's different. How'd that happen? You didn't have surgery, did you? No, I guess the Holy Ghost did it. My pastor prayed for me and she told him the story. Hallelujah. And I, I don't have that literature with me, but I do have some, some physical things she gave me that he said about it. So anyway, I'm just talking to you. That's good to know. I'm not in competition with the doctors. I think most of them are trying to help us. But I know Jesus isn't practicing. He knows how to help us. And if you'll be serious about it and you go to God, if you, if you can't get well or have a difficult time, you can get well, but there might be some kind of trigger that you need to deal with first, some kind of root cause. One of the speakers said that, I don't remember which one. It might've been Amsey or it could have been somebody else. Get to the root of that thing. All right. Psalm 107 verse 20, it says, he sent his word and healed them. Notice that he sent God sent his word, his word is Jesus. He sent him physically, but he sent his written word too. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Now, I'm just pointing this out for a simple explanation here. Notice it didn't say anything about the devil there. But people that are untrained and don't understand things do things sometimes that are destructive and don't even realize they're doing it. You know, like when you get mad at people and you won't forgive them. You, and, oh, I didn't tell me that. The first thing was I repent about things that I do wrong. Second was I forgive people that do me wrong. Yes, I don't keep a list of them. I just let it go. I say, Father, I forgive them. If it's a new something, I just say, Father, I talked to you about that 15 years ago. Remember, Father? Yeah. Well, I'm still walking in it. Because people will just grate on you sometimes. People are rude sometimes. People are mean. Yeah, so... He sent his word and healed us. Now, this is what I wrote about this. This is important to know for us. The word answers your questions. You got any questions about how to be healed? It's all in the word. It'll answer your questions. Number two, it'll feed your faith. When you study scriptures on healing, and that's what he's really saying here, I sent my word to you. He sent the word, the printed word, through the, the prophets as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost to write these things. He sent this word, but then he sent Jesus as the living word who lived this out in his life. You with me? Yes, sir. He lived out what he read and what he knew from the scriptures and his fellowship with God. So it answers your questions in due season. I mean, you maybe don't get everything answered immediately, but he will answer you. Yeah. See, I came, from a, I came from a drug dealer's background. That's what I came from. And then I got saved in a Baptist church. I'm very thankful for the Baptists because they really believe in teaching salvation and that's where I got saved. I'm very thankful. But they let, then they let a lot of things go. I went to seminary, a real prestigious seminary, but they didn't even bring this up. And if they did, they wanted to argue that, you know, God doesn't do that anymore. 
My answer to that is, how do you do away with a now? The word now. <laughs> now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant or uninformed. My spiritual father, you say stupid, but I'm kind of like him from the street. But anyway, so you get all your questions answered. It may take you a little time. You get good books like the books I produce or Brother Hagen's books. You can get his books. And Dr. Dufresne's got a book on healing. Pastor Nancy's got one or two books on healing. It feeds your faith. It puts you in, in number three, it puts you in a position to receive. You know, if, you, if you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking this, well, I, I think I might go forward, but I don't know. I don't know about this. Well, what, just you have to listen to me teach it to you a little bit. They just come with respect and come to receive from God. I'm just the person that he's using to minister to you. I don't own the anointing. I have anointing in me and it's a healing anointing primarily. And I've also later got ministered to about deliverance. But I went ahead and cast out a lot of people for 35 years before that ever came. An angel came and ministered to me about that. I don't bring that up much because I was doing great before that. I'm just talking to you here. Anyway, it answers your questions. It feeds your faith. It puts you in position to receive. I, this is what I say. If you can't forgive people, you're already in trouble. You're not going to get anything from God. I don't care what they did to you. Don't give me this. Well, I didn't deserve it. Hey, who deserves to be hurt? Nobody. But that's just the way the planet is. And there's a lot of people in it that want to be rude, mean, and ugly. Be a big shot or whatever they think. You're going to have to just forgive them. I mean, I can take you in Matthew. Jesus said, if you don't do that, the tormentors will come and torment you. When Jesus said that, I paid close attention. That's 15 years ago or better. I said, Father, I just forgive everybody out of my past, my right now life, and I forgive everybody for the rest of my life. I might have to tweak myself to do it sometimes, but I will do that. Yeah, praise God. I, know, I, know, I don't know if I have his testimony here, good friend of mine. I don't know if he's in here or not about his dad took his life. He killed himself and he felt so abandoned by that and hurt that his father would do that. And I don't see it right now. I maybe put it in a different stack. But anyway, it's just interesting. He said, you said something on a different tape about forgiveness. Forgiveness was for you that need to forgive, not about the other person. <laughs> Some people don't care whether I forgive them or not. <laughs> but I care if I forgive them or not. Because I don't want anything standing between me and my father because he wants to use me and I'm not going to be used much of anything if I've got a lot of stuff like that around me, a lot of bitterness. We sing a song, something like that, bitterness and what's the other word there? Huh? Burdens. Yeah. See? I don't have any burden. I got them all cast on him. You with me? Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's a testimony I thought was interesting. I'm still going to Go back to Psalm 107, so just stay there with me. I was in a service in 2015 at church on the rock with Dr. Jacobs was a guest minister. Uh, and he prayed for people and said by the Spirit, someone here, you have dreams, but these dreams have troubled you and tormented you. If that's you, come up here. I knew it was me. I went up and Dr. Jacobs laid his hands on my head and commanded that to leave and come out. And immediately it was like all the pressure on my head left and it's still gone. I don't even think about those dreams anymore. It's like when uh, even tries to come, it gets stuck somewhere, it gets knocked somewhere, she said. Praise God for the deliverance and help 
I've gotten so many times. Hallelujah. That's a wonderful testimony. Hallelujah. Here's one from a nurse practitioner. I think she's in California. I think she's in Fresno area. I'm a nurse practitioner and have struggled with lung problems my entire life. A few years ago, Dr. Jacobs was at a meeting in Merced. That's the Simons where they live. And I was supposed to be hospitalized as all the emergency lung medications were not working for me. I knew I needed to be in church and I refused to be admitted in the hospital. Their plan was to intubate me to rest my lungs, put a thing down her throat, uh, that's because I was short of breath. So I went to the church, no medications. And Dr. Jacobs called out specifically, there's a girl here that could not take a deep breath. God wants to heal you. I went up and was prayed for, and I was healed from that day forward. Pastor Jacobs had me take a deep breath right there in church. Oh, yeah. And she said, I was able to take it. This is a touching story. This guy's named Benjamin. He's, he's a friend of mine now, but he goes to, he's in Tennessee in uh, Cookville. And he said, I was a junior in high school and I had nine cysts on my backside. That's on his rear end. And they were very embarrassing and painful. <clears throat> the symptoms, I'm going to tell you what he said to me, are bleeding and pus. We decided to go to the hospital and get them removed. This was late 2014. Then in December 2019, the symptoms came back and we were ready to go to the hospital, even though my faith was that it would be supernaturally healed. I heard that Dr. Jacobs was coming in February and that was all I needed to set my faith. I don't even know this young man. He was 22 when this happened, I think. He's about 25 or six now. Uh, but he said, he came to my meeting. I didn't know him, he didn't know me. Got in a prayer line, I laid hands on him. And I said, you're, you're healed. And, and he said, when he prayed for me, I didn't feel anything, but I kept my faith up. The next day, I, I, and he hadn't had any surgery. He still got those uh, symptoms and he has those tumors on his rear end. No symptoms and everything was gone when he got up the next day. Something else. I don't tell you all the people's names. This is somebody here tonight. I won't use their name. Uh, in March 2022, I started having horrible nightmares every night when I went to sleep. Prior to this, I had had an issue with nightmares. I had never had an issue with nightmares, and normally I had no trouble sleeping. These nightmares seemed to last all night and were very disturbing. You know, that can be disturbing. And I often felt shaken for over an hour after waking up the next morning. I told Dr. Jacobs about these dreams. He laid his hands on me and prayed a prayer of deliverance. Since then, I've not had another nightmare. He also recommended that I read his book, How Far Does the Blood Go? And I did, and I believe it has helped me stay free as I've pleaded the blood over my mind. Yeah. Hallelujah. This is a lady from down in Columbia, Kentucky, that area. Uh, I think she went to Pastor Randy's church when I was there once. She had a 14-year-old daughter diagnosed with scoliosis. Dr. Jacob prayed for her in August 2018 at Word of Life Church in Columbia. That's Pastor Randy Parnell's church. The following May 2019, she went to an orthopedic doctor for a possible back brace. New x-rays were taken and showed that she no longer had scoliosis. And doctor said the curvature had straightened out today and she's 18 years old and she has a perfectly straight spine. <laughs> Hallelujah. Here's another one from somebody that's here tonight. 
Uh, September 23rd, I went to the doctor, talked about some issues I've been having in my body for a while. I was told that strong possibility I had something called polycystic ovary syndrome or PCOS and the initial blood work confirmed that possibility. I was also told that it could cause me to have difficulty having children in the future. So immediately I talked to Dr. Jacobs and started believing for my healing. In the Word and Spirit meetings, uh, Dr. Jacobs laid hands on me multiple times and went back to have my second blood work done on October the 7th and the Monday after the Word and Spirit meetings. I, I got a call on the 8th and they said my blood work was completely normal. Everything was as it should be. Hallelujah. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> this is kind of a wild one, I think, because she says, you prayed for back pain and I received my healing that night after 21 and a half years of pain. When I was seven months pregnant, I had been over to pick up a sock and my one disc got a chip in it. I had to wear a maternity brace the rest of my pregnancy. The doctor wanted to do surgery, but I never went for that. I just dealt with my lower back having a bulging disc and my hips being out of whack and a burning feeling all the time. And I was walking with a limp in the mornings until I got going, but now there's no bulge, no burn, no limp or pain. I'm out. <laughs> totally healed. <laughs> That's a great testimony. I like, see, this is good things we're talking about. These are people that really got healed. We didn't ask somebody to write something and send it. We did say, if they got healed, I said, well, write me and tell me that. You don't have to do it tomorrow. Just wait until you're totally manifest. Yeah. You know, I'm not threatened by that. If I pray for you and you need to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. I know there's my side and your side and, of course, God's side. So if we're going to get together on this, this lady is a sister to Pastor Luke Hobbs down in Cookville. She says, I was diagnosed with breast cancer 2010. She's also a nurse, what do you call them, nurse practitioner? It's almost a doctor kind of thing. I was very upset before they took me to surgery to operate on me, only to remove a small section for diagnostic purposes. My brother Luke brought me a prayer cloth that uh, Dr. Jacobs had anointed for me to receive my healing. I placed it on the side of my cancer. I instructed the nurse not to remove it for any reason. They left it on the entire time. Two weeks later, I had a nuclear study that revealed no cancer. And then she says, to God be the glory. I was thrilled. I had no radiation, no chemotherapy, and no mastectomy. Just the miracle power of God. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, I mean, what did, was it Morgan talking about the power this morning? Yeah. She's a very sweet lady. You probably heard me talk about this other lady. Her name's Maureen Mueller, 30 years old. This was in Long Island, New York. I didn't know anything about her. I'd went there two years in a row and I came back second year and I'm standing you know, up by my seat when they dismissed and she comes over and, she, and this is what she said to me. I said, did you write that down anywhere? No, well, could you? Yeah. So she said, my name is Maureen Mueller. I'm 30 years old and I've been saved a little over two years. I have been depressed most of my life and been on Prozac since 25 years old. And at the 20, when I was 29 years old, Dr. Michael Jacobs came to minister at my Living Truth Family Church and uh, used his hands, laid his hands on me rather. And since then I've been free from depression and from Prozac. Yeah. See, I don't tell somebody to throw away anything. 
If I pray for you for something like diabetes, I don't tell you, don't check yourself for a month. You might go into coma if you don't have it. So I say, go ahead, keep checking yourself. And if it's, if it's real and we got, our, we got it lined up, then you, you can go back to your doctor and he'll tell you, you don't have that no more. Amen. What a refreshing thing to say, doc. <laughs> you can't have that no more. But I wondered, because I used to do drugs, but I'm unfamiliar with Prozac. I know it's an antidepressant drug. I know a little bit about drugs. I'm not a real doctor, medical, but I do know a little bit about drugs, some drugs and their categories. This is a, something that fools with your brain chemistry. The antidepressant drugs, that's a billion, billion, billion dollar industry. And so I said to her, did I tell you to get off Prozac? Because I thought, I didn't tell you that. No, you didn't. You just prayed for me for depression. I said, okay. But you had, and she said, I went cold turkey. I didn't get any symptoms at all. I said, nothing? And she said, no. So I get on an airplane one day and I sit down and the guy gets on. I'm by the window. He comes in and sits down. What do you do for a living? I'm a preacher. What do you do for a living? I own three pharmacies in California. I said, you're just the guy I was looking for. And he looked at me like, I don't even know you, do I? No, but you're going to. Hang on. I got a question. Now, as a pharmacist, I told, her the story about, I told him the story about Marine. I said, I don't know the, the amount of drugs. I don't know what the amount was that she took. He said, it doesn't matter. She's been on it for four or five years. Her body's saturated. And she would have probably had a meltdown or end up in a mental hospital or emergency room because you just don't get yourself off that in one day. Yeah. I said, so what's the normal cause of that? I mean, time for that, 12 weeks. And he said, I know you're a preacher. I'm not. But he said, I'm a pharmacist. I said, I know I'm talking to you as a pharmacist here. I mean, you're talking to me as one. But he said, I can tell you that's a bigger miracle than the depression, in my opinion. Wow. How her body adjusted that quickly. It's yeah. phenomenal. I said, well, you've been a lot of help to me. Can I buy you lunch or something? <laughs> and then I was just, uh, I'm not really done with my message. So don't, because I'm rubber banding this up, don't think I'm done. I was in Mexico City. I don't know when that was. I think it was January this year. And um, I was preaching along. There was a young lady sitting back over here, kind of on this section. I was up on the platform. And I looked at her. Every time I looked at her, she's smiling. But something was wrong. Something was wrong. And I knew something was wrong. And down here, the Lord said, you know the lady you keep looking at? Yep. When you get done preaching, go minister to her. Take care of that for me. Okay. So I got done. I had some other words of knowledge first that I did. Then I went over to her. She was second person in from the aisle. And I said, hey, would you step out here and let me pray for you? Yeah, I will. So I, said, uh, I said, so the Lord tells me there's something you're struggling with. Is that right? And this, was, this really touched my heart the way she did this. I thought she was 16. I found out later she was 26 and she'd had an abortion a year or two before. But she went like this to me. I said, what's your issue? She went, I have mental problems. And she began to cry. I said, well, I'm going to get rid of that. Do you understand? I'm not talking to you when I deal with this. It's coming out of you, that spirit. So I yelled like, come out of her. And that thing about three seconds later shot out her back and went out the back end of the church there. I said, what just happened to you? Something, something came out of my back. I said, yeah, it was that spirit of depression. You're delivered. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, praise God. Now we're still talking about he sent his word and healed us. He doesn't think it's not going to work. He says he sent it and it healed us. Didn't say he sent it to heal us, but he sent it and it healed us. So what's the issue is we're not in the word enough sometimes. That could be a problem. 
And then the number four thing I had down here, number one, answers your questions, feeds your faith, puts you in position to receive and helps you meet the conditions, helps you meet the conditions so that you could cooperate with God when you're ministered to. Yeah. Some people say that God is teaching me something about sickness and disease, but there's only three things I've been able to find that say what teaches you. And number one, it's the word of God. The written word of God. Number two, the spirit of God is your teacher. And number three, the fivefold ministry in fivefold ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Those five gifts will minister to you and they will teach you something. But there's nothing in here about God teaching anybody something through sickness and disease. You just think about your own children. Would you do that to them? I don't think you would if you're normal. You wouldn't want to put your children through anything. No. So we're just seeing some things here. There's some really interesting things we need to realize that God never put sickness and disease on us. If it looks like he did in the Old Testament, some of the translations are a little different than the original text because God is not out killing people putting sickness and disease on them, any kind of sickness. But you get in rebellion to God and his hand that's been merciful to protect you, sometimes he's not left without any recourse because now you've just stripped yourself of all the covering you had by getting into devil's territory. How many know what I'm saying? All right. So we just got to stay out of his stuff, the devil, what he does. So this is what I want to say. Sickness comes from Satan. Acts 10.38 is the first verse I'm going to read to you to show you that. Acts 10.38. If you want to turn there, you can. Or you could just listen to me a minute. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So oppression comes from the devil. Oppression there means to be weighed down in your mind or your body either way. Sometimes people are way down in their mind. They don't seem like, I just think we're in a, a crisis almost for mental health anymore, not just in America and in the world. So you gotta, you gotta really work at getting your mind straight and your mind solid and get a sound mind. I tell myself I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind. I have the mind to cry. Then Philippians two, I think is verse five, five, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. You have to let it be in you. You get in the scriptures and let those scriptures prevail in your thinking. You, he's got a healing for the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. And sometimes when your, your mind or your will gets out of whack or your emotions and stuff, uh, it opens the door to the devil to attack you. We also, we ought to resist him, the devil, whenever he shows up, any, any way that he shows up. Now let's look at another scripture here. So well, let me say something about this first. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good and healing. So doing good and healing go together. Healing is good. Sickness is not good. Disease is not good. Oppression from the enemy. Whether it's an oppression to your body or your mind, it's going to have an effect unless you get rid of that. So we have to resist him. James says resist him and he'll flee from you. Resist the devil and he'll flee. All right. So now we said there's Acts 10:38. How about Luke 13:16? Let's go back and look at that a minute. I'm talking about where does sickness and disease come? Gun come from God? So we're showing you 
in the passages here, Acts 10, 38, Luke 16, uh, Luke 13, 16. We probably could come back to Luke 13, 10. And Jesus is teaching there in a synagogue or a place of worship on the Sabbath. And behold, verse 11, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Now here's something interesting. When I was studying this several years ago, the Lord came into my room and he said, I want to talk to you about this spirit of infirmity. I said, I wish you would. And he said, a spirit of infirmity is something that invades somebody's body, but it just moves around. If, if they deal with it in one part, it just moves to another part. Like people get sore throats all the time, and then all of a sudden that goes away, but their joints hurt. Then that goes away, then their feet hurt. That goes away, then their stomach's upset. That goes away, then their intestines are in an uproar all the time. That goes away, and then they get headaches all the time. You know, it's the spirit of infirmity that moves around inside of people until you deal with that spirit and rebuke it and command it to leave you. You, you have to speak things. You have to speak, th you have the authority to speak things. And if you don't, it won't be done. I could help you, but I mean, I'm helping you now telling you to do that, but I can't do everything for you. You know, we'll give you as much help as we can. But you need to realize you have responsibility. Really, in reality, nobody has more authority than anybody. Because now I'm going to tell you this. I don't know if you see it yet. You're a joint heir with Jesus. How could you have more than him? You've got that kind of level of authority. You just need to use it. Use it wisely. Grasshopper. <laughs> Speak the things. Things will listen to you. He spoke to trees and they obeyed. He spoke to the wind and it obeyed. He spoke to devils and they obeyed. I mean, just, you've got to get your mouth engaged with what you believe in your heart and go to the scriptures and find scriptures that cover what you need and begin to say that. Amen. Yeah, if I sense anything coming against me or my family that's uh, unusual, like negative or something, trying to work, I just take authority over it verbally and say, in Jesus' name, I take authority over you. I bind you, I rebuke you, you get out of here right now. I talk like that. And, I, and he, you know what? You need to talk with some authority to him. You don't have to scream, but you got to have authority. You could scream all day and not have no authority. It won't do any good. But if you think about this and think about it, about the authority that God gave us, he said, all authority is given unto me, Jesus in Matthew 28, in heaven and in earth. So we can, we can go ahead and do what we need to do by talking. It's amazing. You can have what you say. You can have everything you say. Actually, you are having everything you say. So if I was, if I was thinking, man, it seems like something's not working right, I would ask God to show you what that is. And maybe in that one area over here, you're not talking health. You're not talking scriptural back to the thing. Over here, you're doing real good. But over here, it's a diff difficult deal. Maybe you're not speaking that. You know, I, I, I've been in this a long time and I, I, I hate to embarrass myself, but I was trying to get a refinance for my church build, our church building. And I worked with bankers for three years and they, every one of them burnt me and they, they wouldn't do what I asked them to do. And I was getting negative about it. And I was eating breakfast with my wife one day and I said something, I said something out loud. And she said, Michael, when she talks to me like that, I know something's the matter. <laughs> what did I say? She said, you don't know, do you? I don't think I do. You see, she quoted what I said to her and I said, oh my gosh. 
You know, being a husband, I wanted to fight back. First response. But I knew better than that. I knew she was right and I was wrong. And I said, honey, I am so sorry. You know me. He said, I know you because you don't talk like that, Michael Jacobs. I never hear you talk unbelief, but that's full of unbelief what you just said. And I said, oh my gosh, you're exactly right. I'm sorry, honey. Then I said, Father, I'm really sorry. I'm switching that confession right now and I just let it happen. I said, Father, I believe that there's a bank that's going to want to help us. It's going to be smooth. It's going to be easy. I've been trying for three years to get that done. Two weeks later, I had it. And the only thing I changed was my mouth and what I was saying. And I know, I know how to believe God too. That helps a lot. I know how to use my faith. <laughs> I don't know if everybody does, but I know how to use it. Not bragging that I, I think about my faith every day. Every day I think about it. Because it is, it is the pinnacle of everything that I am or have or can have or can't have or whatever. And I'm not greedy about it. That's not what I mean when I say it. Just the promises of God are already ours. We have to claim them and walk in them and talk like we have them. Because we do have them according to scripture. Because I don't have it physically with me right now, that doesn't mean my faith isn't working. That just means it's in process to work. It is working something out. Something's going to appear before long. Something's going to appear. Okay? Okay. Let's go back to the lady here in Luke 13 and said in verse 11, Behold, there was a woman with the spirit of infirmity 18 years was built together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, you're loose from this infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And then down through here, verse 16, Ought not this woman, who was just healed, being a daughter of Abraham or a covenant woman, just like you all, men and women, were covenant people to God. We're in a covenant with him. What he says goes. He's the head of the covenant, but we have to respond to him. Whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years. So Satan was the one that was doing this to this lady. And he said to be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. Wow, that's really something. But it was the devil that made her boat over. And in her case, it was something to do with her, her back, maybe arthritis or something like that. I, I don't know for sure. But he began to talk more extensively to me about this spirit of infirmity. And I have a little... Uh, cards that somebody sent me from a church. I think it was in Texas. The lady said, I'm 80 years old and I've never, ever, I'm always dealing with a sickness or a disease or something goes wrong all the time around me. And you taught on the spirit of infirmity in my church and I got in the prayer line and received and now everything's working good. What I'm thinking is here, she's 80 years old and just now getting a hold of that. Anyway, we're just talking to you here. I'm just about done. We're going to minister to some people in just a minute here. Uh, let's go over. Let's go first of all to Proverbs. Go back to Proverbs. You know, Psalms and Proverbs. And it's Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. And uh, we'll start in verse 20 here. Let me see, I wrote down something here too. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to tell you much about my life here, but uh, Proverbs 4.20, this is something we ought to think about all the time. He says, my son, or he could have said my son or daughter, attend to my words, God speaking to us, incline your ear unto my sayings. 
You know, you need some kind of device. I know you know about devices. I'm kind of behind on devices a little bit, but you know about to get something that's playing into your ear that's scriptures or scriptural. Let that go in there and feed you all the time. I always say it this way. If I watch a CD, I mean a DVD, I like to watch DVDs, but I play CDs in my truck all the time too now uh, of Dr. Dufresne primarily. And that really has an effect on me. I keep that and separate that out and I come back and listen to it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Because yeah. it's got something in it I need because it affects me like that. Then I go back and listen to other tapes too, but then I bring that back and come listen to it again because it had something in there for me. But he's gonna to talk to us about healing. He said, attend to my words, incline your ear into my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes. So it's important to look at it on a page or look, read it or something on a page or a book. Keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life unto those that find them. You have to look a little bit to find things, but they're life unto those that find them, these words that come from God and health to all their flesh. The Rotherham says about that verse, to every part of one's flesh, they bring healing. Amen. They bring healing to my eyes, they bring healing to my toenails, they bring healing to my hip, they bring healing to my heart, they bring healing to my teeth. I could just go on and on and on because to every part of one's flesh, they bring healing. Rotherham said that. Lesser, he was a Hebrew scholar, says in verse 22, and to all his body, to all his body, a healing. He's talking in verse 22 there, and health or healing to all our flesh. Actually, I think it's more like what John said in John 1, I don't know, it's the first chapter of uh, John's gospel, and the word became flesh. So if you stay with the word long enough on something you need, it can turn into the flesh that you need to work right. right. You following me? But you have to find those things. You know, I think, well, hang on. Yeah, I'm going to just say, I'm going to come back to Proverbs 4. Let me run over here and look at something if I, okay, go to Proverbs 10 if you have your Bibles and verse 7. Somebody just asked me the other day, what verse was that, doctor, that you said would bless, was, uh, about your memory? I said, and I'm going to read to you Proverbs 10, 7. The memory of the just is blessed. So I say, my memory's blessed. My memory's blessed. I have a good memory. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm, but find those scriptures and confess them. And go back to Proverbs 4. We got one last verse here. Keep thy heart with all diligence or continually, for out of it are the issues of life. Things come out of you constantly. So, amen. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. I want to say one thing in closing here. Well, let me go to, go to Luke 5 with me. I'm going to read this scripture when I'm done talking here in just a minute. I'm just about done. Luke 5, though. Look at that. We'll look at that in closing. Luke chapter 5, I think it's verse 17. But I wanted to say something to you before I go over there. Okay. You know, God fulfills what you speak. Think about that. God fulfills. And the verse is Matthew 8, uh, Matthew 8, 16 and 17. I'm still talking to you about words a minute, but I'm, I'm getting ready to, to read you something over in Luke. Um, it's in Matthew. I'm, I'm way too back now. Matthew, Matthew 8. Let's look at this. This is just interesting to help us stay on course. When I find things like that that affect me, 
I, I always go back to it and look at it again. Matthew 8, verse 16 and 17. When the evening was come, Matthew 8, 16 and 17, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. He cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. But what we see in this, he says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken. What you speak, God can fulfill if it's based on the word. I mean, I continually say, by your stripes, I'm healed. And the power of God's working in me, the healing power of God's working in me, things like that. So anyway, praise the Lord. I was going to talk more about my life, but I think you guys probably know about it anyway. Just, uh, just um, I, I would say, uh, I'm going to read Luke 5 in just a second, but I would say to you, it's important to get spirit filled. I think some of you did the other night in our prayer meeting at church, but all of you weren't there. It was in our church. But what I'm saying is, you know, begin to operate in that and pray in the spirit and pray in the spirit more than you think you can. Now, I know that means you have to turn something else off sometimes to do that, but whatever you give yourself to, I heard Gloria Copeland say this 30 years ago, whatever you give yourself to, then that's what will come to pass. So praying in the Spirit is a, a real big thing for you. Now, I'm still in Matthew. Let's go back over here. Luke 5, I'm going to read Scripture to you. Luke 5, and then I'm going to pray for you. Luke chapter 5. In verse 17, Luke, 7, Luke 5, 17, it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching, this is Jesus, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Just like as we're talking tonight, the power of the Lord's began to ramp up in here is present to heal you. If you need healing, you can get healed tonight if you need it. Or, you know, maybe there's something else going on in you. You know, I don't know. I don't know about everybody's issues. But let's stand up together a minute, please, for me. And I'm, I'm going to just, uh, in a second here, call out some things I'd like you to come. You don't have to tell me anything. But if you want, what, you know, want a touch from God and the anointing, I'll pray for you. I'll not pray for you, but administer the anointing to you. And that'll take care of a lot of things for you. There's something about the anointing that's so important. And I think Morgan helped us a lot today about being holy people and being set apart to God and treating him with respect, of course. You know, and I don't mean just at a one-time thing, but just ongoingly treating him with respect. So... So I want you to come, that's what I'm saying, I want you to come if there's anything physically wrong with you first. If there's anything physically wrong with you, come on up here, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lay my hands on you, and you just believe with me that whatever you need, it'll go in you. The power will go in you and take care of that. How would that be? Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media 